For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to another brand new episode of It's My Wrestling Podcast. I'm of course, as always, your host Chris Dees. Before we get started, please make sure to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube and the follow button on whichever audio platforms you're listening to. Today's episode's one a little bit different. Not particularly excited to do it, to be honest. We're doing um, a retro review with my good friend, good friend Craig Smith of One Stop Wrestling um, of the greatest WWE pay-per-view of all time. I think it's safe to say, Craig. Are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure. Are we going to ruin people's Christmas here? <laughs> I think that might be like a good way to look at this. Leading them into a false sense of security, getting them all up, all up and excited. Um, yeah, we're, we're here to talk about the greatest WWE pay-per-view of all time. It's not WrestleMania 17. It's not WrestleMania 12. It's ECW December to Dismember. Um, and I'm really sorry. First of all, I'm really sorry to you, Craig, as well, that you've agreed to, to joining me for this. Um, what are the first things that come to mind when I say ECW December to Dismember? Bearing in mind that this is it's Christmas time, it's December, it's the time of giving, it's the time to be happy and joy. And, you know, it's just such a, a happy, wonderful time of year. And WWE gave us this great blockbuster pay-per-view to really see out the year with, didn't they? I mean, where do you start? Do you start with the tears? The anger, the disappointment, the what have I just actually watched? What have I just paid for? It's not. It's not good. Let's let's get into it a little bit. So a little bit of um, little bit of backstory on it, I guess. Um, there wasn't really much buzz about this pay per view outside of really the opening match and the main event. WWE hadn't actually announced anything on the card beforehand. Fans were literally asked to purchase this pay-per-view well, on, on good faith, on goodwill, hoping that WWE would deliver quality undercard content like they always do. Great undercard action. They, they did not. They did not. Let's just put that out there straight away. You had um, started the night off with the Hardy Boys versus Eminem, and then that was bookended by the, um, by the Extreme Elimination Chamber match that, you know, has gone down in history for all the wrong reasons. But yeah. Going into this as as a fan at the time, Craig, what 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 were your expectations going into? Because I remember, I remember bought it. I bought it. I watched it at the time back in what was it, two thousand and six? Now I may be like one of those only fans back in two thousand and six, but was really into the ECW reboot. Yeah, I loved it when it first came back. You had that kind of hardcore edginess yeah. with the mix of 
the new breed, and then all just died. Uh, I mean, going into that pay-per-view, I remember fondly going, okay, they've only advertised this chamber match. This could be good. ECW Originals. And then Bobby Lashley. Yeah, yeah. And you were thinking, that's it. Like, ECW, unpredictable. They're the rebels. They're the, the guys who, you know, like I say, unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen with ECW. Sure, we've only got one match, two matches properly announced. But this is ECW. Surely we're going to get Legends. We're going to get Sandman. We're going to get, you know, you already had Sabu and RVD confirmed for the main event. Surely we're going to get guys like Taz and Rhino. That's that's not what happened. It's a really, really weird card. Like, this is the kind of card that you look at and you think, what the fuck were they smoking when they came up with this match card? Just guys that don't fit in matches that don't make sense. In feuds that, that seemingly came from absolutely nowhere, like I say, don't make sense. You've got guys who are the complete opposite of each other that don't mesh together at all. I mean, the, the, to set the scene, the show didn't exactly start off strongly because the, I remember the camera was panning around and it was showing the elimination chamber hanging over the ring. And I don't know if you picked up on this. I didn't pick up on it at the time, I'll be honest. It was only when re-watching this a few days ago. Uh, Joey Styles actually announces... Tonight, a new ECW champion will be crowned. Like, oh, well, thanks, Joey. I guess that's that's the main event ruin then, because there was no guarantee of that. The Big Show was in there defending his title. There was there was no guarantee that you know he had to lose the title. So we already knew that that we were getting a new world champion. Is that something? Did you notice that when when Joey Styles said it? To be fair, I didn't. Uh, it's pretty bad. It's, Watching it back, it's like, oh, it, Joey. Is a pay per view you try and forget its existence? Uh, I mean, I had one good match. Are you are you counting the main event as a good match? No, no. no uh, I, I mean, I think after the Hardys and Eminem, which wasn't an ECW match, no, it, it was literally downhill for me. Uh, yeah, there was nothing. Uh, it was almost to the degree of watching a bad house show that was designed to screw over every ECW original. McMahon wanted this type of video to fail. There's no, when you watch it, there's no way McMahon wanted this pay-per-view to succeed in any capacity. No, no, he, he wanted, he, he realised the bad mistake they had made with this WWE ECW reboot and it was pretty it's pretty clear and we've there's there's been loads of news and loads of quotes and stuff that's come out since where even Paul Heyman and people behind the scenes at the time have said that's how they felt they felt like this was all just just a great big fuck you from Vince saying like yeah we made a mistake let's get rid of this let's not give people a reason to want this anymore let's just you know shove it under the carpet a little bit let's let's start with the first match so as you said you've got the Hardys versus Eminem two two great tag teams one of them being one of the greatest of all time the Hardy boys but none yep. of these four men have anything to do with being I mean Matt and Jeff have done extreme things don't get me wrong obviously TLC all the mad shit that they've done over the years but nothing about them is really hardcore they're not you don't think of them when you think of extreme matches or hardcore matches even though they were called team extreme but this 
as I say, this this is a match between two very very good tag teams that you could have just put on any other pay per view. This could have been this would have fit in on like a Backlash or an Armageddon at the time, or you know what I mean, like Vengeance or something. It didn't. It could even have been a SummerSlam match with Dre build, yeah. uh, and yeah. they delivered. It was a fantastic tag team match, and I've always stated that Eminem are genuinely one of the most underrated tag teams from that era in wrestling. Yeah. They don't get the credit. Most people think of John Morrison getting his start with The Miz. It's kind of mm. overshadowed his time with Eminem. Uh, a lot of people just tend to forget whatever happened, which is such a chronic shame. Yeah, it's a shame for Jerry Mercury because he was—he's—he's he's a hell of a hell of a wrestler. I mean, he's yes. look now backstage like training guys. He's trained loads of guys. He's helped loads of guys through through like injuries and stuff as well. He's—he's an—I think he's an agent or something at the minute. You always see him come out, come out, don't you, with um, with Jamie Noble to break up fights. Yeah, he's still always there. Uh, he's a hell of a talent. I don't think he ever fully recovered from breaking his face. Uh, I think that was Hardy. mostly the beginning yeah, yeah. of the end for him and his, his WWE run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's like, a shame. This match was about 23, 24 minutes. I think it went a little bit long. For Even though it was a fantastic match, easily the best match of the night because, well, because of the piss-poor standard of everything else. I still yeah. think it went on a little bit long, better part of 25 minutes for any tag team match outside of like the New Day versus the Usos, I think is is a little... Little bit long. I'd, I'd give this. I'd give this match a healthy three stars. I think it was. I think it was very good. I think both teams have had better matches, but it was still far and away the best match of the car. A fun opener. Everything after this just grinded to a complete fucking halt. We got to see Molina. That was nice. Always nice. Yes. Always nice. Always, the- always love Molina. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing Molina at uh, first ever live raw was that, and she knocked herself out. And I'll never forget her walking backstage. It's like one of those moments that's just stuck with me after all these years. <laughs> all right, so that was that was the opener. It was great. There's not too much to talk about there because it was it was just all good things. Let's move on to the second match. Um, so Balls Mahoney, a real like ECW fan favorite. Everybody out there chanting Balls, Balls, Balls for Balls Mahoney. Everybody loved him. He was just fun bit of a brawler and then you put him in in the ring with Matt Stryker who I don't really have much of an opinion on Matt Stryker I'll be honest I, I never cared for him I never didn't care for him he was just sort of there he never really factored into my enjoyment when, when I was watching Raw or whatever but but this was a, a Stryker's rules match now off the top of my head what were the rules that he brought in there was no no gouging of the eyes no swearing. No hair pulling. No hair pulling, that was it. And no, no coming off the top rope. No coming off the top rope, that was it. So rather than an extreme rules, we've got this strikers rules match with like the most four boring things that he could have done. Um rather than saying like no weapons or no extreme or anything like that, he was just like, Yeah, no none of this stupid pointless shit. And what, what followed was a really not very good match. This is what I was saying before. Like you got two guys who didn't fit together. Matt Stryker, the the technical mat wrestler. Balls Mahoney, the very much not technical mat wrestler. What did you think of this, mate? Because it was pretty fucking bad. It was bullshit. Uh, <laughs> there's like what I know of a way I'm going to like 
the finest match. It was utter fucking bullshit. Uh, it was designed to absolutely bury Balls Mahoney to a mainstream audience in yeah. every capacity. I like Matt Stryker. I've grown fonder of Matt Stryker over the years through his work on commentary in Lucha Underground and oh, Impact yeah. Wrestling. I think he's a fantastic commentator. Yeah. But in 2006 ECW, <laughs> what the fuck was Vince thinking? I'm going to challenge you, actually. For every match, I want you to give me one positive. So what's your positive from this? The crow chanted balls. Yeah. No, no. My my positive from this, and honestly, my most memorable moment of the entire night, even outside of the main event, outside of the great opener, was um, was Joey Styles on commentary saying, "You've got to worry about a man who wants to sit on his own face." You know, that's that's you an iconic line. Of Joey Styles. Uh, I, I mean, that line. Everybody talks about the. Uh, he's broken in half and all the kind of shit that, that JR said over the years and Yeslemania and that but why does nobody talk about you've got to worry about a man who wants to sit on his own face that's an iconic line now while you're on that I do want to bring up a point where I think WWE missed out in this ECW reboot where you're talking about commentary hmm. this would have been the perfect time to have brought in Don Callis as what Cyrus the virus yeah. Yeah. whereas Styles and Taz did not work on commentary uh, during the reboot for me at all. Uh, I love Taz's time during SmackDown. Same. This did not work. Uh, I would have personally have brought Carlson at that time. Yeah, Taz and Michael Cole always worked really, really well together. One of my one of my favorite yes. commentary teams that there's ever been. I just think they had great chemistry. But they remind me of Taz. Reminds me of of Pat McAfee. That, that relationship that those two had is similar to what Cole and Pat McAfee have now, but Taz, Taz is a great commentator. I love everything that he's ever done since. I even like what he's doing in AEW now. But at the time of this, it and this ECW reboot, it really felt like he was just trying to be Jerry Lawler. If you know yes. what I mean. There were just... Yes, there was, no. Like I get we, what you mean. How old were you at the time? What was I? I would have been... Was, mm. 17? I 17. would have been what sort of. Oh my god, you're making me think. Why are you making me think? I would have been 22. So 17 and 22. So, you know, still, still fairly. Um, what's the word? Fairly immature, I would say. Still young men. Young men. I was just coming. I mean, up. I like to think of us that way now. Yeah, exactly. I'm 32 now. You're like, what, 36, 37. Still very immature. Still love. Still love a fart joke, love a bit of toilet humour, love a sexual innuendo, but it just really felt like Taz was trying too hard. Like every time he spoke during the Eminem Hardy's match was basically just about Melina. Further on in the night, all he would talk about was Kelly Kelly, and it was just it was it was just a little bit like he was trying to do his best puppies sort of impersonation. You know what I mean? Thing too, what take away from that as well is is how much Vince was down the headsets that night. Uh, yeah, I don't think he, when when ECW first came back in 2006, I think Paul Heyman for the first period of time had a lot of control over it, and yeah. that was just diluted. And because it was on pay per view, you can see how this commentary went. But Vince was just down the throats. 
yeah. on that microphone. What it was a very Vince style. At what point do you think Vince really gave up with ECW? Was it before this? Because obviously he wouldn't have known about the buy rate for this show. I'll get we'll get onto the financial stuff later because I've got some stats about the show and like what the buy rate was and how many people were there. And it, obviously it wasn't good. He obviously wouldn't have known how many people were going to buy it, but it just felt like as this show went on, you, like I said, you had that excitement and the energy of the opener, the tag match, and then it just really fell flat, didn't it? Like, it just felt like everybody gave up. Oh, for me, uh, I think he gave up after one night stand in 2006. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I remember at the time uh, when the idea of bringing ECW back, uh, it was actually Shane McMahon's idea. His idea was to put it on the internet to make it extreme, to give people what they wanted until Vince got wind of it and he's like, sci-fi. We'll put it on sci-fi. I want it. You can't have it. And then when One Night Stand happened, it wasn't Vince's pay-per-view. Heyman had that creativity. He booked it and it had a lot of buzz. And I think sometimes to myself, uh, this ECW reboot was to put him in, in his place. Uh, it's got to have been. Uh, because you can't go from when they stand in 2005, 2006, to giving us the bullshit we actually got as a reboot. No, it, it, it screams to me like Vince saw... This is a bit like, a bit like with Vince getting involved with NXT recently. And... Any time a wrestler comes in who's super over, or or any time like like Rusev Rusev Day, any time something naturally gets over that he wasn't a part of, that it wasn't his idea, he didn't get it over. Like uh, like the New Day, like anything like that, anything that gets a whole arena chanting for something, if it's not McMahon made, he wants to bury it. I think I think that's pretty much the general consensus. Everybody's been saying that for years, and it's almost like he watched One Night Stand. And everybody around him was saying, oh, Vince, this is amazing. Like 99 out of 100 people in that room could be saying, Vince, this show was great. Look what Paul Heyman's done. Paul Heyman's done this great thing. Paul Heyman should lead this going forward. And Vince has thought, hmm, hmm, no, fuck you. I didn't make this. Nobody can be successful. Only I can be successful. You know what I mean? He has, he has to micromanage everything like he's doing with NXT now. I mean, you can't really take away. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Because Vince McMahon has achieved things that no wrestling promoter will ever yeah. achieve, yeah. ever. And it's sometimes difficult to question someone when they've had so much success. But you're completely right. If he doesn't get it over, it's not his idea. He will bury it a lot of the time. Yeah. It's like, as you say, Rusev Day. Uh, I read some comments by Rusev recently where Vince actually told Rusev that the fans were laughing at him, yeah. mocking him, yeah, yeah, and he wasn't over. Uh, and sometimes you think to yourself, what goes through your mind? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's because he's getting older, he's getting more out of touch, if he's surrounded by the wrong people. Uh, I, I don't think John Laurinaitis is going to be down with the younger generation of fans. No, I don't that hierarchy they've got at the moment, it needs a lot of change. The mad thing about Rusev as well is obviously like that that got over with the fans, but it 
it it equaled money. It's not like it got over and Vince didn't make any money from it. Rusev Day was the fucking hottest thing in the yeah. Man, I bought the calendar. I had the Rusev Day calendar where every day was Rusev Day. I had the It's Rusev Day shirt. I nearly bought the Lana Day shirt. Like, it, it's not like it was just like popular and Vince wasn't benefiting from it. It doesn't make any sense that he felt the need to bury that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, it's mental. I mean, it's not the worst decision he's ever made. Uh, no. Uh, but it's, it's going to be on his top 100 worst decisions he's ever made. That's an episode. Vince McMahon's top one hundred, uh, top one hundred worst ideas. That's a that's a series. That's a fucking long series. You do a whole episode on each. I mean, you could have like a hundred guests for each one. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna do it. Let's book it. Right. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next match. Oh wait. What are we what are we rating that last match? 0.5 stars. I'm going. As are we doing minus? Yeah, we can do minus. Meltzer does minus. Fuck Meltzer. Uh, we'll go minus five. I, I mean, I'm giving it nothing. It was, it was a bit of technical wrestling in there. I love map based technical wrestling. That's the only reason I'm giving it 0.5. Balls Mahoney did the best that he could out of his comfort zone. So I think that's... I, I watched ECW. I wanted ECW. I got no ECW in that match. That's minus five. Strikers rules, man. Strikers rules. Fuck Strikers rules. I believe they've not done it since. Anyway, let's move on to the next match. Another match that I don't I don't remember the build to this pay-per-view at all. I don't think there was a build for this pay-per-view. There wasn't. You, you, they, they announced the main event. That they literally was just people from backstage, didn't they? Like, who's here? Who's here? Ah, Elijah Burke, Sylvester Turkai, FBI. You're here. Want to do a tag match? That's what we got next. We got another tag match shortly after the first tag match, which... As we said, it set the bar for the rest of the event. It was brilliant. You're like, oh, yeah, great. Another tag match with two good teams, FBI, Nuncio, you know, Little Guido and ECW Originals. So you've got that ECW flavor in there. And Tony with him as well, the full-blooded Italians. They are ECW through and through. But once again, there was nothing ECW about this. A really pretty basic paint-by-numbers tag match. <sighs> what have you got to say about this? Because this was... Every match on this card, other than the opener and the main event, was less than eight minutes. They were all like about the seven and a half minute mark. Oh. One match was less than seven minutes, but fuck, they felt like they were longer than that, didn't they? They all felt. Oh, it was horrendous. They all felt like this match minutes. would have been perfect on SmackDown mm. as a squash match to have Turkey over. That's what they were doing. Is it Turkey uh, or Turkey? I think I said Turkey. I think Turkey. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go over the pronunciation. Uh, <laughs> it was horrible. It should have been on SmackDown. It kind of also gave me kind of like 1999 WCW vibes when Bischoff was running through the back and just picking people mm. who go out to the ring, whoever he found. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, and again, it was used to squash ECW original talent. Yeah, and that's something I should have pointed out at the, at the start as well. Like, obviously, in that first tag match, you had WWE versus WWE, but then for pretty much the rest of the show, it it followed the theme of WWE versus ECW. You went into this event assuming the ECW talent were going to win. Why? Why wouldn't they win? And then, like like you said, you've just squashed ECW talent, original ECW talent from like the mid 
mid-90s, when back when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling, before it even became Extreme Championship Wrestling, the FBI were there from day one. Why are they getting squashed to guys like Turkai and Burke? What did what did these two ever go on to do in WWE after this? Burke and Turkai. Like what did this what did this event do for the winners? Like what did it do for Matt Stryker and Balls Mahoney going forward? It didn't do anything for Balls Mahoney, did it? it? Didn't get him over with the wider audience. The Hardys and Eminem wouldn't have mattered who won that. Who neither of them needed it, did they? No. Uh and none of these teams beat this match. Pointless event. Sorry, what was that? It's just a pointless event. Like it didn't serve to yeah. do it outside of the main event. It really didn't serve to do anything for any of the guys within. Unless, as as you said before, this was just a way of Vince sticking his fingers up at Heyman at ECW and saying, like, you know, we're going to bury all of your guys. I mean, what it could have done is what's done in mainstream wrestling today. This could have been an ECW TV special. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like what AEW do, yeah, yeah. Like or NXT have done them, AEW yeah. have done them. This whole event could have been a ninety-minute TV special because none of it was pay-per-view quality. Especially with how short the matches were, it would have fit nicely into an, a ninety-minute special, wouldn't it? Like on YouTube or something. Um, what was I going to say about this? The the burial of the ECW guys, who I think lost basically every match throughout the entire night, apart from Balls Mahoney, it makes that decision make even less sense. Like, why did Balls Mahoney beat Matt Stryker? Matt Stryker could have benefited from that because he, he looked like a WWE guy, didn't he? he? He was talented, he was a good talker, a good promo guy, he was a good wrestler. Give him the win. Why, why, why Balls Mahoney? If Vince is um, his finger up at everybody else, why not Balls Mahoney? It just didn't really make any sense. I suppose we'll never know. Maybe it was down to flipping the coin. I mean, I don't know. I mean, keep the fans who knows a little what bit Vince happy. Went through. Maybe so that they don't revolt during the show. Give them at least one win, maybe. No, because I think if you watch it, after that first match, the coach's dead. The whole show. Yeah. There's no crowd yeah. involved yeah. in that show after that first match. It's horrendous. <laughs> I really enjoyed going back and watching this. This was a great idea doing this episode. Um, what are you giving Burke and Turkai? Burkai. Why aren't we calling on Burkai? This could have been that could have been a t-shirt. Burkai versus the FBI. One star. I'll give it one star because I like tag team wrestling, and it wasn't the worst I've ever seen. I'll be generous. I'll go minus three stars on this. Oh, nice. Nice. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Big Dave. Right. Uh, okay, so next up, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> the less said about Tommy Dreamer, the better right now, obviously. But that's another story for another day. Um, versus Daivari. So yet another really great ECW-fueled <laughs> match, this one. Um we want hardcore chants from the crowd throughout this is the main thing that I remember. Once again, like you've got the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer, involved in a mat wrestling, rest hold filled match. The crowd just do not care about anything they're seeing. Even, even as Dreamer gets back into the match, you know, like that sort of like babyface underdog, which he should never be. He should never be in that position. But even as he's doing that, he's come back into the match. The, the crowd just literally 
were silent. There was just no no atmosphere whatsoever. Daivari, yet again, another ECW guy losing to a main roster guy. Daivari gets the win against one of, not even just an ECW guy, but like you think of ECW, Tommy Dream is one of the names you think of. And you've got this skinny little dude, Daivari, beating him. Like uh, It's another one, it's another match that doesn't make any sense. It's another result that doesn't make any sense. It didn't do anything for Daivari. He didn't go on to be a big star. Don't think he was in the company for too much longer. How did you feel about this classic, Greg? So, I'm going to be brutally honest. Fuck this match. The fact that Tommy Dreamer was not in that main event in an extreme elimination chamber was some of the most bullshit booking (laughs) of that fucking generation. How the fuck... Do you not book the biggest underdog in ECW history and put him in a title match where the ECW champion is a fucking seven-foot giant? It just baffles me. But it's okay, because we're not test. A seven-foot giant that's synonymous with WWE main roster as well. I know that he was ECW champion and he got moved to ECW, but he was still a WWE guy, wasn't he? He was still a raw Yeah, yeah the big show always like as you say if you if you were given control booking this if it was on one of the 2k games or something and you had six guys to put into an ecw elimination chamber you're talking sabu rvd dreamer sandman obviously big show's got to be in there because he's he's champion anyway no i see i you'd have to have raven yeah there you go raven as dreamer RVD, Jerry Lynn, Sabu. Uh, yeah, Jerry Lynn. Yeah, that's a good shout. Talking of Sabu, this is when we found out during the night that Sabu was going to be replaced by Hardcore Holly. That obviously didn't go down very well with the crowd. What did you think of this great bit of booking? I'm so sorry <laughs> that I made you watch this. No, I'm going to be brutally honest again. I didn't mind Sabu not being in the match because I think Sabu's a prick. Yeah, I okay, don't I'll think Sabu deserves any TV time. Okay. That's just me personal. But to replace him with Hardcore Holly was, again, Vince McMahon just sticking a huge middle finger up yeah. to the ECW audience. It's all, it was almost like, thank you for your $50. <laughs> Fuck you. Enjoy yeah, the crowd, were chanting, the crowd were chanting at the end of the night, where's our refund, weren't they? Chanting for refunds after the main event. Not good. Not good, man. Let's let's move on to this. Well, actually, no. The only thing I'll say about Hardcore Holly is <clears throat> he's a known dickhead, isn't he? Like that, Everybody knows Hardcore Holly is a dickhead, so I can only imagine that move was just yet again more of vince trying to convince people that this is not ecw anymore trying to convince them to give up to buy it less to watch it less so that they've got a legitimate reason to get rid of it you know i I don't know i don't know about paul Heyman and sabu's relationship but i would assume that they are close that, that you know they mean a lot to each other they go back such a long way 20 years whatever i assume that this is another middle finger up to paul Heyman. i don't know i've i've never read if there was a, like a legitimate reason, was he injured? 
was he fucking drugged up? Was he drunk? Something like that? As I don't know. Far, as far as I'm aware, it was literally a fuck you. There was nothing wrong with Sabu. Vince wanted hardcore hallway in it. He wanted this new generation of ECW coming Main through. event, Bob. Main event, Bob Holly. I mean, I think we should also call it, say, uh, is, shit, is this wee bit of ECW was at this point? It eventually got better. 2009, it may have been one of the, it may have been the best show that they actually had with the talent. It was NXT before NXT. It got to a good show yeah. before it was cancelled. Of what wasn't ECW. If it wasn't called ECW, people would probably look back on with, on it with very, very fond memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's like every time I talk to anybody, like any guest, any wrestler about the invasion angle, the WCW invasion angle, we always say the same thing. They always have the same opinion, like... It just wasn't WCW, and this just wasn't ECW. If you named it anything else, if you named it TNA, if you named it NXT, you'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. This, this is new. This is fun. This is exciting. But because you've given it those three letters, you're always going to associate it with good memories, fond memories, looking back. like You know what people are like with nostalgia, for fuck's sake. We see it all day, every day on, on social media. People, people can't can't see what's wrong with the company now because they did a few good things 15 20 years ago and that's exactly that's exactly what this was i mean we have to remember this reboot that gave us kofi kingston it gave yeah. us the main course in having tv time it gave yeah. cm punk a very solid run in the company to start off with yeah uh, and it helped make stars I mean, for fuck's sake, uh, help Christian come back into the company and have a phenomenal run. Yep. Matt Hardy had a run with DC Detail. So there was positives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not in 2006. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's a really good. That's a really good way to look at it. You know, I don't. I think. I think a lot of fans forget that people. People forget. You know, people. People think that that CM Punk came in from Ring of Honor, a ready-made star, but he didn't go straight into the main roster and just kill it. Like he has no, been. It was it was NXT before NXT, NXT was a thing. NXT, yeah, 100%. 100%. Right, let's move on to the next match. Another barn burner, another slobber knocker. Um, Kelly Kelly. Always nice to see Kelly Kelly. Very, very nice to see Kelly Kelly with Mike Knox versus Kevin Fawn. This is a thing that happened. And I can't even remember the vampire girl's name. Was it Ariel? It's Ariel. Ariel. Who the fucking yeah. year I remember Ariel? Ah, man, I watched this two days ago. I watched it on, on Friday night. It is now Sunday and I've already forgotten her name. Like what the what what the fuck was this? Like just just it's hard for me to fathom this match happening. Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly together as as an on screen couple in the first place didn't make any sense. The whole story was that she was obsessed with CM Punk. Like the the least ECW story that you could possibly yeah, yeah. Hope to go with having a fucking love triangle or whatever going on in there. Um, Mike Knox, literally the most uninspiring, unentertaining wrestler I've ever seen in my life. Um, against Kevin Fawn, and I'm all for a bit of dark arts and dark magic and supernatural and all that kind of stuff. But fuck me, you look at Kevin Fawn and you just can't help but laugh that this is this is this is a man, this is a person, this is a wrestler, this is a man that's being paid to be on TV, like. So 
imagining these nope. four together in the ring, it could not be more obvious. This is this is a, a, a follow-on from everything we've said about Vince McMahon. Everything he wanted to do to ECW, all the fingers that he wanted to stick up at the talent and at the show and at Paul Heyman. Fucking hell, you could tell he's never watched ECW before, couldn't you? If this was even slightly his vision of ECW, a major pay-per-view, to, to ring out the year, the last pay-per-view of the year, he clearly has never watched ECW. So this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, Kevin Ford was one of the most underused gimmicks in wrestling. Really? Uh, I will die on that hill. Why? ECW, sci-fi. Why the fuck did they not bring in a new version of The Brood? Kevin Fawn has everything uh-huh. that you want in a character and a faction like The Brood. Yeah. What the fuck was Gangrel doing in 2006, apart from absolutely fuck all? <laughs> that faction would have been absolutely fantastic for the image of ECW on sci-fi TV. Yeah. Not an original ECW. Yeah. What a sci-fi ECW. And yeah. Shelly Martinez. I love Shelly Martinez. I'm so grateful that she had a very successful run with LAX and TNA after mm. her stint in WWE. But Kevin Thorn, I will die on that hill, but he was one of the most underused guys on that ECW roster. All right, once we're done here tonight, I want you to tweet that and see what kind of responses you get. I have tweeted this several times. I have had replies from Kevin Thorne. Do it again. Do it again. Because I, I don't do it again. Or I find me and send you me. In it. Yeah, yeah. Tag me in it because I don't believe you. I want to see it for myself. Let's get back to this match. Um, it ended by Mike Knox walking away from Kelly Kelly because before the match, she wished CM Punk good luck for the main event. Obviously, he had grown fed up over the, the weeks before. If anything, this is the only match on the card that had any sort of build. At least it had a story, you know, albeit a shit story, but at least it, at least it had some sort of rationale behind it. Um, yeah, Mike Knox walks away, leaves Kelly Kelly on her own. She gets absolutely destroyed. Um, that's it. He walks away partly because of the CM Punk situation, partly because he wants to get away from this shit show as soon as he can and go home. Sandman comes in when Kelly Kelly's getting ganged up on. He does his usual shit that the, the fans just lap up in ECW. There's about 200 kendo stick attacks, drinks a bit of beer. See you later. Send the home, send the crowd home happy. Well, not home happy, but sort of ended that match on a little bit of a pop, a little bit of a high. He got the fans. I think I think maybe maybe that's why they did that because they knew that the main event was next. Everything had been shit. I I don't feel like Sandman coming out was particularly planned. I feel like maybe it was just a spur of the moment, get out there and make the crowd a bit happier before the main event. I mean, I think actually it was planned. It just didn't work. Uh, I, I think by that point, the crowd was so uninterested in what was happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Thorn and Ariel had been with the company since, what, June? They, they had no real build. They had no real direction in the company. No one gave a fuck about it. What did you feel about Sandman? Because honestly, he was he's literally like my least favourite ECW guy. 
Just don't like the guy. I don't know why I just don't like the guy. I feel like he's an arsehole. I feel he's an arsehole, but watching ECW, that entrance, being a Metallica fan, coming down, drinking beer, smoking fags. I used to lap it up all day long. Sandman in WWE uh, was a very sad state of affair. Uh, I guess at least uh, the, 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 the kindest thing I can say about him is he is ECW. You think of ECW, he's one of the first guys you think of, like, and he always stuck to that. Like, even with this whole WWE crap, he, he still seemed authentic. He still seemed like, you know, yeah, obviously it had been diluted for, for a different audience in a different generation, a different time, but he still, I, n- I never felt like it affected him too much. He still felt like Sandman, and I'm a huge Metallica fan as well, but even that couldn't save him for me. I just wasn't bothered. It just felt like, I don't know. I was never an ECW fan. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I'm not, hey, I'm a prick on Twitter, but I'm not a prick who goes around pretending that they watch shows that they don't watch, if you know what I mean. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I mean, back in the day, uh, I, I watched very little ECW. I became an ECW fan through tape trading, uh, yeah. watching what I could. I was very late to ECW. I watched a lot of WCW back in 99, 2000. But at the same time, Nitro and Raw were on the same time as... ECW was back in the UK, so it was almost impossible unless you had free video recorders to watch it all. So you had to pick and choose. What did we rate the match before? Did we give Dreamer versus Divari a rating? That's the only one I'm giving a negative. I'm gonna go negative two. I'll go. I'll go back to my negative five because fuck that shit. Uh, it done nothing for no one. Uh, it was to get Great Cali over. It still didn't get Great Carly. Oh, yeah, the Great Carly. I forgot to mention he was there. Yeah, so that was another thing about it, the Great Carly. That's interesting and good. Sure. <laughs> I feel cheated we never got to see Great Carly before WWE because I've seen some videos and I don't know if you've ever seen the gif when he jumps the top ropes. Where the fuck was that Carly in WWE? Um. Well... Vince doesn't like a big guy who can do more than what a big guy should, does he? Look at like the recent treatment of guys like Keith Lee, um, and um, the Jakovic as well. Look at what those guys did in, in NXT. He doesn't let them do that on the main roster, so he probably I mean, just probably just castrated Carly of any uh, people like Nakamura. Nakamura, I know he's obviously not a, a, a big guy, but he lost all of his. Everything that he was ever known for in New Japan, he lost that when he came to to do the WWE style, didn't totally. he? Like big guys who are big guys and can throw people around. I mean, even if you go back to 1999 when they hired Big Show, uh, Big Show wasn't allowed to do drop kicks. If you watch, Big yeah, Show I've seen him years ago. Yeah, that guy should have been the man in wrestling for mm. a very, very long time. I agree. Yeah, and it never came to fruition. Uh, which is, I yeah. mean, and yet he let go. Had a fantastic career, and is a well-deserved Hall of Famer. Let's not take this away from him, but I feel he could have had more. And yet, look at guys like um, Bam Bam, Bam Bam Bigelow, allowed to do moves. Yes. Vader, Vader was pretty 
pretty agile, pretty nimble for for a guy his size, wasn't he? So and again, you got fucked over in WWF. Vince, I, uh, this this is just going to turn into an episode of ranting on that on Vince. Like Vince likes something one week and then he doesn't like it like the next, and then he'll go back and he just flip flops and flip flops. Like big guys for a long time were big guys, and then you had the guys like Bam Bam who were allowed to, to be a bit more athletic. And then for years after that, you have guys like Undertaker and Kane who would do top rope stuff and Undertaker would jump over the top ropes to the outside. And then you went back to them not doing that. You didn't really get it as much during the ruthless aggression era. And now you're back to doing it again in NXT with guys like Keith Lee and Djokovic. Um, yep. And now again, you hear that he's sending these guys back to the performance center to strip yep. that athleticism away from them. I don't, I don't understand. Is it? It's crazy. So many of the guests that I've had on, not to like name drop or anything, but like the people who know Vince, who I've had on the show, have all said the same thing. He's worried about creating stars because he's worried yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's insane. He doesn't want another John Cena. He doesn't want another Rock. No. He doesn't want somebody to get bigger than the company. And the great Carly was never going to become the next John no, Cena. No, never in a million years. So why not? If, if you know that they're not gonna, if they're limited in other aspects, the guy can't fucking talk, for God's sake. Just let them breathe. Just let them... Exactly. Be themselves, right. Right, so, main so, event. Boy, was it an event. It obviously, was something. It, it was something. Um, obviously, like I said, we've, we've talked about the fact that there's very little ECW flavour to this. Look at who's in there. Sabu got replaced with Hardcore Holly, a WWE guy through and through. You got Test who I quite regularly forget was even a wrestler, unfortunately, because um, I actually quite liked Test during the Attitude Era. But again, like I say, similar with Hardcore Holly, very yep. much a product of, of the Attitude Era of WWE, WWF. Um, who else you got in there? You've obviously got RVD, so you've got that that element of, of ECW. You've got Big Show as the champion. Uh, CM Punk, the future of ECW. A bit more flavor, uh, uh, an up and comer, a rising star, somebody that everybody really got behind. You could obviously going into this match, everybody wanted CM Punk to win because he was yep. the future, and this could have been this could have been the platform, the stepping stone for him. Um, <clears throat> and then Bobby Lashley. So yet again, more more of Vince's like ideal, you know, chiselled prototype, stereotype WWE guy, the, the the kind of guys that Vince fawns over. Um, so yeah, very very little of, of the um, very little outside of RVD and Punk felt like it was ECW. <sighs> Where do we start with this man? Um, it was just sad. The whole thing was so sad hard to watch. Like uh, there, there was in the, I'll say that there was indecision leading into the match. Things obviously, as you always get with stuff like this, things have come to light since the event actually happened. There was a lot of indecision in the booking beforehand because Heyman wanted to, wanted to push Punk, obviously. Um, Vince wanted to push Lashley because he thought he could be the next big star. Yep. Even the Big Show has, has gone on record as saying that he was lobbying for Punk because Big Show was on his way out. He was going to be gone soon. He was going to have a break and he felt like this was the last chance that he would get to help make Punk that next big star because he deserved it. Um, you know, he, he was pulling for, for Punk. But as we've said many times, this was just Vince being very stubborn. Vince was going to get what he wanted. This was his vision of ECW. He wanted Lashley to get over before coming up to the main roster. And that's what it just doesn't make sense. That's not, you don't get somebody over by, by having them go over 
ECW fan favourites. Like, what? Where's the rationale? Where's Where's the logic behind I that? I mean, ever, everything was sad about this match. Yes, Hardcore Hallway was never going to win. Uh-huh. Test was never going to win. RVD was never going to win because he had to drop both the ECW and the WWE title yeah. only a few months previous. Yeah. And being getting suspended by the company for 30 days. And unfortunately, CM Punk was never going to win because there was no way hell on earth Bobby Lashley was going from Raw to ECW and not winning. Vince was never removing a Raw guy to the third brand to not win the championship. So even before this whole pay-per-view began, the winner was given away. Oh yeah, especially with what Joey Styles said at the start of the show as well. Saying that we will see a new a new ECW champion, so that obviously didn't help, uh, and that that's when it became quite obvious. Yeah, it's probably going to be Lashley. It's it's going to be Lashley or Punk, but it's almost certainly going to be Lashley. Um, how about the match itself? Because you know it's not the worst match. Elimination Chamber matches are always a bit of a mess. I don't think there's any. I always enjoy the Elimination Chamber. You know what you're going to get, especially first eliminated having, having weapons. You know it's it's good that they had weapons. At least it was a little bit different. Yeah, well, yeah, sadly, not in a good way. But you know, felt that Punk was first eliminated. There goes your underdog. Yeah, gone. Goodbye. Wales is. Oh wait, you've got Test. You've got a Hardcore Hallway. Oh wait, they're going to gang up in RVD. They're going to eliminate RVD, and now it becomes a weird three-on-one kind of scenario where Hardcore and Test are going to help Big Show defeat Lashley. Uh, it was all pissed poorly booked. And I remember you had, it was either like 90 seconds or two minutes before the last pod opened when you were waiting for Big Show to come out. And I was just, you think to yourself, you had 90 seconds of at least no wrestling in that match. Hmm. I mean, yeah. nothing in that match worked for me. No, like I said, at least they tried to do something a bit different by having like the weapon in each pod and stuff like that, make it a bit more extreme. Um, you know, like random weapons doesn't make a match extreme to me because you can get random weapons in any match, in in a in a no holds barred, in a last man standing, in a street fight. All of these matches are all the same. This this is already a no DQ match. You know, that having, having it, it, yeah. It, they tried to add something with it. It didn't particularly add anything for me. Um, as I say, these matches are always carnage. You know someone's going to go off the top of the pod. You know somebody's going to go through a pod or or climb up through a pod or whatever, something like that. So there was nothing really special about it. There was nothing different. There was nothing memorable. I don't think there's ever been like a five-star classic chamber match. Most of them have been good. Most Some of them have been great. So I don't, I don't think this is necessarily bad by like other matches standards it's just bad because like you say that like look at the wrestling talent that was in there like the big show is not a good wrestler i'm I'm sure he would be be happy to admit that test wasn't wasn't the best wrestler um i don't think lashley particularly was at the time you watch that match for punk for punk and rvd and they were like like they were like the first two eliminated or whatever weren't they 
Yeah, I mean, it, everything about this match was terrible. Every decision taken in this match was terrible. And for me, this is a big problem WWE have had for at least 15 years with these types of gimmick matches. It's too much now. Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I'm not a fan of an Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I don't like these pay-per-views because I feel these matches are forced onto feuds rather than it being a feud and naturally needing these kind of gimmick matches. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you look at like a feud like Triple H versus Shawn Michaels, they needed a Hell in a Cell or yeah. Even an Undertaker Brock Lesnar feud needed a hell in a cell. It's not the same now. No. Everything's just so forced. So you never have good memories of these matches. Uh it's very rare that you'll in the last five years you go, that hell in a cell match was phenomenal. Because you don't remember them. You remember McFoley going off the top of a cell because that feud required that match and you also remember that feud new day versus usos i think is probably the only one from the yes. recent memory because it was such a good feud and it was actually the end of the feud if i remember rightly i'm, I'm sure it was that's the problem like you I'd say also argue maybe sasha and bailey uh because that match was yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. was phenomenal they put on a hell of a match and they deserve every bit of credit for doing that match like you say, you, you you so often get now like these blood feuds or whatever they're these these massive rivalries, how they build them to be, you know, these two guys hate each other so much that we can only end this by putting them in a cage, a hell in a cell or whatever it might yeah. be. And then they keep feuding. They'll feud for another month, they'll feud for another couple of months. And like it, it, it should be the payoff. That's how it was in the eighties, that's how it was in the nineties. It was that was the payoff. That was that was the end of the rivalry. Look at look at stuff like war games, like original WCW war games. That was it. That that was the culmination of all these feuds within one big war games match. But NXT war games, much as I love it, a lot of those guys and girls end up continuing their feuds afterwards. Like I don't know what happened after. What happened after this? After this elimination chamber with Lashley as champion? What? Who did he feud with next? Vince. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, he did. This led us into the, the golden era of Vince and the do-rag and was completely <laughs> the total death of... I take back everything good that I've said about this pay-per-view, even the opening match, and as much as the main event wasn't too bad, it led to Vince McMahon in a do-rag, so... With certain aspects being removed from Peacock, mm. which you will not see on your podcast. Certain aspects, yes, certain aspects. Right, let's let's talk about how the match ended. So, like, Lashley speared the big show to win the match, uh, won the title. The fans were chanting, as I said earlier, they were chanting, where's our refund? They were chanting for TNA, which was obviously, like, the big competition, I guess, the rival, the closest competition that we had at the time. They spent the match roaring for Punk, roaring for RVD, only to see their two most ECW guys fall, Sabu being removed, as I said before, didn't help. To top it all off, this was billed as a three-hour pay-per-view, like like most of them are. These days, yeah, sometimes they'll go like five, ten minutes short. Sometimes the yeah. fans will be pissed off and people are like, oh, we want a refund for our five, ten minutes. 
this went 45 minutes short. This was a two hour, 17 minute. Two hours, 15 minutes. Shocking. Shocking. Absolutely. And fucking I, bullshit. What, what I failed to imagine is like, how would Jesus Christ, if, if somebody had noticed like, Oh shit, we're like 45 minutes short. What can we do to push this to, to a three hour event? Like, extend the main event or throw another bit of crap filler in there a few more adverts a bit of a backstage promo but you had the opening match 22 minutes 23 minutes the main event was about 25 minutes so that's that's like 50 minutes um so you got like another hour and a half that they gave us 45 minutes short so it was two hours and let's round it up two hours and 20 minutes the two longest matches were nearly 50 minutes combined the other four matches, as I said before, they were all less than eight minutes. They were, uh, they were like seven minutes forty, seven minutes twenty. One of them was six minutes forty. So you didn't even have half an hour for those other four matches combined. <clears throat> what? Where, where did that other fifty minutes go? That might have been some bad maths off the top of my head there, but like, there's. there's I mean, a, you're, you're not wrong. It was a good forty-five minutes. minutes. Uh, I mean, I think they missed a couple of tricks uh, for me. Uh, the two things that should have been on the pay-per-view was an extreme battle royal where you could have oh, they love a battle 15, royal. 20 yeah. people from ECW and yeah. there give if, the fans a couple of pops I'm going to bring up the card actually just quickly um, because I believe there was a dark not dark match there was a, a pre-show match before pre-shows were really properly a thing I'm sure there was a dark match of some variety. Uh, yeah, Stevie Richards beat Rene Dupree in in a match that has no time. So I don't know how long that that lasted. I don't know if it even happened. But like, why was that not on the card? Stevie Richards, another ECW name. Like, why not, yes. why not at least put that? Like, even if it's just a, a quick five minute match, just to just to. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you've already gone with an extreme battle royal. Yeah. And because of giving it the Christmas theme, why the fuck did no one beat the shit out of Santa? Yeah, Sandman. That's that could have been Sandman's thing, beating up Santa. Uh, it could have been somebody closely associated with WWE dressed up as Santa. You know, like I, I don't know who who would have been one of the top heels or cowardly heels at the time. I don't know, but yeah, that's a good point. There was yeah, there wasn't really anything. Christmas themed, was there? And do we do we love love hammering home the Christmas theme? I mean, Christmas it was December to December, and even if you look at the pay per view poster, it was Christmas. Yeah, the, the Christmas pay per view. Sandman coming out of the chimney. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the poster's brilliant. I think it's one of the best posters they've ever done. It's iconic. Or one of the worst pay-per-views ever done. One of the worst pay-per-views ever done. Um, I mean, like, at, at the time, it was an issue because, like, <clears throat> you're, you're paying for an event these days. At least if you've got the network, you've you've paid $10, £10, whatever, for the month. Like, if a, if an event goes short, I'm like, okay, great, I can go to bed early. You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't spent £50 yeah. on it, and I'm pissed off that I've, I've lost nearly a third... <clears throat> a third of the advertised... The, the only blessing this pay-per-view had was, was because obviously you'll remember this from your age, back in that era of wrestling in the UK, some WWE pay-per-views were box office, some were still shown on Sky Sports. Yeah. 
just one was actually on Sky Sports, so it wasn't one that we actually had to pay for, as long as we had Sky Sports. Yeah. The only blessing uh, any of us can take away from it. Yeah, and like, is it is it the worst thing in the world that it went 45 minutes short based on the quality of the pay-per-view? Like, I think people were probably... as The people in attendance, yeah, I can get them being annoyed because... They've, they've gone all the way out there. They've, you know, they've spent money in there. They've probably bought yeah. merch, food, drinks, and then they've been shortchanged on on the event. But like I say, it was so fucking bad to finish forty five minutes early. I'm like, oh sweet, lovely. It's only like half two in the morning because, well, for us, what would that have been? It would have been about three o'clock if it, if it started at one a.m. Yeah, so yeah, it'd have been way about quarter past three. Just after three o'clock, yeah, which yeah. is a nice that's a nice treat for us in the UK. Um let's let's talk about not just our reviews of of this event. Um I've got a couple up that, that other people have set out there. So critically, as expected, this did not do well. Um Matt McKinder, I don't know the name, I'll be honest, of Slam Wrestling said, Did Vince and Heyman draw names out of a hat to make these matches? Nothing really made sense to me. And that's that's something that we've echoed throughout this. The matches yeah. literally just felt like it was like ah. You and you, these guys, who, who's in the locker room? Who's who's forgotten to go home? Uh, Wade Keller of PW Torch said the event was such a letdown overall that it really dampened the mood and thus the occasion of Lashley winning the title. And I don't know. I think it could have been it could have been a fucking seven star pay per view in the Tokyo Dome, and I still think Lashley winning the title still wouldn't have been. And, and I think the fans did not want Lashley. They no. could not. I mean, to a degree, he got over a little bit more at WrestleMania with the McMahon feud. It's, it still wasn't great. No, no. Um, we don't like to give too much attention to Big Dave, but Dave Meltzer handed out star ratings, as he does, um, and only two matches did not get <laughs> atrocious scores. It was just the opener and just the main uh... event. He gave the main event two and a half stars, which I think was pretty generous. Um, and he gave the opener, uh, it was either three or three, and, or just over three. I think it was like three and a quarter, which is which is, is pretty pretty decent. I think that was I pretty well. I feel Melton may have been drunk with the Christmas spirit, giving yes. him no stars out for his standards. But then one match, he gave it, he gave it a dud. He didn't, he didn't rate it. I think that might have been Dovari versus Dreamer. Um, everything else was like... A quarter of a star, a half a star. I think he gave something a minus as well. Probably the mixed tag match. Uh, so that, yeah, the, the, this, this is one of the very few occasions where I can agree with Meltzer. Um, even, even Paul Heyman himself has, has trashed the event. He's gone on record. I think it was it was he was on it was with Steve Austin. Um, it was on like Broken School Sessions or whatever it was. Um, he said it was an indescribably bad show. He felt like he he felt like what we've said that it was like a personal battle, a personal attack from Vince on ECW and on him, like specifically. Yeah. He said that that period of ECW, he said this many times. It drained him. They zapped his creativity. He'd lost his passion for ECW, the thing that he had built and like lived and died by. Because obviously, this is a man who you know when ECW was in trouble, every, everybody was still paid. You know, this is the thing that people forget about this about Paul Heyman. They think that he was an arsehole, but a lot of ECW originals will, you know, they'll they'll die on that hill for Heyman. He looked after them, he released them, but he kept paying them. He he had to close the company because it wasn't making money, but the money that he had, he made sure those guys were paid. You know, he loved ECW, and this was not 
he, this just was not ECW. He, he was burned out. He was tired. He couldn't find his way anymore. Um, you know, this is as you say. This has been much criticised over the year. Not just the not just the pay per view, but WWE's attempt at ECW. It was never going to be the same without Paul Heyman in charge. Like the alliance, the the invasion wasn't going to be the same without Eric Bischoff in charge or Ric Flair there or Sting or Goldberg. They just took all the personality. And even as somebody who didn't particularly like ECW or wasn't that bothered by it, I still appreciated it that it was something different, an alternative, a bit more grown up or, or immature, depends on how you look at it. But it, to me, it was a bit more grown up, a bit edgy. I gave fans something different yeah. to what was becoming a very watered down PG main roster WWE product. And this just. If I was an ECW fan going into watching this, I would have been sorely disappointed. I was disappointed as a non-ECW fan. I mean, if you're an ECW fan, uh, you're finished with WWE from that point on. Yeah. And as you say, Kene was around. Kene had a much edgier feel to it. It was in a small arena. Yeah. It kind of had echo echoed ECW to a degree hmm. in some aspects. I think a lot of people would have started tuning to Tina at that point as well. Yeah. Which was a good thing for Tina because between 2005 to 2019, it was a great product. Hmm. So, yeah, ECW fans, I guess 99% of them were done with WWE after watching this pay-per-view. Yeah, as they, a, wouldn't as a, watched, they wouldn't watch the, the the weekly ECW show again. No, no, not at all. Um, as as I said earlier, like financially, do you know how many buys this this show got? Any idea? A rough guess, if you don't know. Is it, uh, is it around about fifty to seventy thousand? It's actually better than that. It's ninety thousand. But even I, knew, so, I knew it was under 100,000. Even at 90,000, it's still the lowest in WWE history. Yes. As much as the, the product has gone downhill since and TV ratings are down, this is still the lowest buy rate in WWE history. Um, after this, ECW were never given their own brand-exclusive show again, like, like nope. pay-per-view, which, again, just, just lends to what we've been saying. You know, it was, it was Vince's way of... Proving that the ECW wasn't worth continuing, you know, it's like he did this on purpose so that nobody would want to watch it, so that networks wouldn't crave it because it wasn't his product. If Vince could have got the ECW that Paul Heyman created back in the day, and if it had a platform to go on where it could be accepted by a non, you know, like a non PG audience and without loads of kids watching it, and it could be swearing, it could be sexy, it could be edgy, it could be dark, it could be violent. If he could have had that, I think Vince would have got behind it because there's there was money in that, but there was never going to be money in the kind of ECW product that he could put forward to, to like a, a USA network or a Fox. No, and it, it goes back to what I was saying about Shane McMahon's original idea for the product. He wanted it on the internet. He wanted it to be dark. He wanted it to be edgy. Yeah. Vince's dream was made for TV. Uh, and the original ECW 
in 2006 was never going to be picked up by Spike TV or the US network or Fox or any of these massive networks. We're never going to pick up the hardcore ECW style. This was very much Vince's product. And I kind of feel that Vince had the end game of NXT in mind. He wasn't interested in ECW, but those three letters still had meaning behind them. And that was a way to hook in an audience to begin with. Yeah. Before turning it into his kind of, well, his vision. Yeah. Yeah. It's simply put, to wrap up, EC, well, WWE ECW's feelings are just a stark reminder of what happens when Vince and WWE misread the fans. It's, 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 that, it's that simple. The audience wanted a revival of ECW. They'd, they'd still remained dedicated fans. You know, you would still get ECW chants when, when mad shit happened, when Jeff would jump off things, when people would go through the stage, when Shane would jump off the, off the rafters, off the Titan Tron. Whenever something extreme happened, the fans chanted for ECW. There was still that desire, that want, that need, that love, that nostalgia for it. And Vince heard that, but all he had to do was go back and watch a bit of ECW. Really, isn't it? I'm sure he probably owned all the fucking tapes of it. He could have just gone back and watched a little bit of it. Speak to people. Have somebody like Mick Foley in charge. Bring back somebody like Terry Funk to help. Get some of those guys like Tommy Dreamer. Get those in to help. You know? Like you Don't put Bruce Pritchard in charge. But- well, the last point I'm going to make about this, to, to sum up the whole ECWWE vibe, and I'm going to assume that you played it, SmackDown versus Raw 2008. The only year that ECW as a brand was added to the yeah. general manager mode. Yeah. And to sum up how they felt about ECW at the time, you couldn't even play it as fucking Tommy Dreamer in general manager mode because they made Tommy Dreamer the fucking general manager. Yeah. He wasn't available in the roster. And to me, that just shows you like how they felt. That ECW roster had 10 people. Uh, It was a sad time for ECW fans. Yeah, it really was. And I don't think there's much else we can say about it. Even if there was more we could say about it, I don't think there's anything else I want to say about it. It was painful going back and watching it. Like I've done some retro reviews in the past. I'm like, yeah, yeah, can't wait to watch this again. But fuck, this was, yeah, it was difficult to, to sit through. Um, at the time, it was difficult to sit through. And we've seen so much quality wrestling since. And this was just, whew, it's bad. I don't suggest anybody go and watch it if you haven't already watched it. Craig, I consider you to be a friend but I will completely understand if you don't want to talk to me anymore for making you go back and watch this. <laughs> That's completely fine. No, you, you've ruined my Christmas. <laughs> this is, this is going to be difficult to get over. Have you got any more, anything that you want to say about this event, anything at all, any redeeming qualities, one last positive at all, anything that we got out of this? I think I think the only the only thing really that you can say is at least it gave CM Punk that platform. They could see that how how loved CM Punk was at the time. So for me, the only positive, and again, 
willing to die on this hill. I got to see Kevin Thorne on a pay-per-view. Okay. And I will die on that hill. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There we go then. That's it. That's our ECW December to Dismember. I'm so sorry, but thank you for, for sitting through this last hour of us just being very, very unhappy. Craig, mate, before I let you go, thank you for joining me. But before I let you go, like, where can people find you? Because you've got some shit going on as well, haven't you? You've, you've done some pretty cool interviews yourself recently. At onestopwrestling.com uh, for all your latest wrestling news, blogs, merchandise, and may I say, huge podcast section. Uh, currently, there's over 15 podcasts from all your favorites around the wrestling community. Including this one. Including this, this one. Uh, we've got a magazine coming out. Yes. Early yes. 2022. There's some really cool shit in that. Yeah, uh, if you're a Stardom fan, if you're an AEW fan, WWE, pretty much any, every wrestling aspect is going to be covered. And that comes in January of next year. Stay tuned. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, just look up Craig Smith of OneStopWrestling.com. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, post some good shit that people actually like. But thank you very much for having me on. It's been yeah. uh, an experience I never wanted to relive. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. No, thank you for coming on because I've been trying to get you to come on the podcast for ages. Have. I'm sorry that this is how and it's this is how this is how you repay me for not coming on. And you'll never come back. I know where we stand. Time. Last time that anybody ever saw of Craig. <laughs> um, guys, as I said, again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, you know where to find me. I am everywhere at um, It's My Wrestling Podcast or on Twitter. It's My Wrestle without the E pod because fuck Twitter and their character limits. Um, just hit up the link tree. Everything's on there. Um, as I said at the start, if you're on YouTube, please hit subscribe. If you're on audio platforms, please hit follow. And until next time, thank you guys and take care. And have a good Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.